Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I've got somebody really special because it's a guest that I've never had with this job description before on the podcast. And I think it's going to be very insightful and informative for you as the listener to hear what he's got to say. He's AJ Grossman III, <laughs> and he's a divorce lawyer, no less. So welcome to the podcast, AJ. Oh, Lynn, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. And I thought it was quite revealing what you said off air that when you were talking about, you know, how you got into specializing in the area that you do specialize in. And that is more around conflict resolution and helping families resolve and make peace through a separation or divorce rather than, you know, create more acrimony, <laughs> which is <laughs> a lot of people's perception of what lawyers do. Yes, yes. So um, I was <clears throat> sharing with you a, uh, a law school class that, that I had, uh, which was uh, called Comprehensive Law Practice. And when we got to study uh, various other methods of practicing law that were more healing rather than destructive. And <clears throat> as part of the class, our professor had us take a Myers-Briggs assessment. And we got our results back and she broke us up into uh, different areas of the classroom based upon our results. And it was so revealing for me because I wound up at a table with myself, my wife and two other people. And the rest of our classmates were over on the other side of the room. And I thought, wow, I had no idea how different I am from um, my classmates, and then later on, I realized how different I am from many of my colleagues. And that difference translates into my practice in helping people um, as, as more of a healing practice, more of a transformative practice. Um, I don't I don't do what, what many of my colleagues unfortunately do, and that is focus on just the law and just the facts, and then possible destruction to families. So I consider myself much more of a peacemaker, much more of a healer, and I, and I definitely want to leave the world a better place than when I came. So, so that's who I am. <laughs> I love that, you know, because that, that wasn't my experience. I was married for 23 years in a previous life. <laughs> mm. my, and I wanted, you know, to have an amicable um, separation from my ex-husband but it, it got quite acrimonious and not because we were acrimonious um, when we you know went through that separation but because the lawyers involved were you know throwing up all these problems which really didn't really exist prior to us going <laughs> to them uh, but suddenly got put on the table and caused more conflict so I'm so happy to have you on AJ I think it's really refreshing to hear that you know, we have lawyers out there, even if they're in the minority that want to, you know, focus more on the healing and having sort of a, a, com a conscious amicable divorce or separation rather than the opposite to that. 
Yes, yes, we we are out there. You have to look a little harder to find us, but but we're certainly out there. And you know, it's it's um, interesting and not uncommon uh, your your story where the lawyers actually increase the level of conflict. And it's so unfortunate because as lawyers, we are in the perfect position to be able to do things to help minimize the conflict, to bring the heat level down if you will. And creating issues that don't exist is unfortunately a a part of of the way some of my colleagues practice. And um, what what I have come to realize after doing this for over a decade now is that many of my colleagues or some of my colleagues um, are very business focused and generating revenue. And the way that they can generate more revenue is by increasing the conflict. The more that people fight, the more attorney's fees they can earn. And that is so unfortunate. And frankly, I couldn't look myself in the mirror at the end of the day if I practiced that way. Oh, that's so refreshing to hear, as I say, because, uh, you know, uh, I hear so many opposite stories to that. So where do you start then when, you know, especially, I suppose, if a couple do it, initially come in and it's quite acrimonious to start with where do you actually start with um you know i suppose taking the heat out of the situation so one of the first things i do is um, i have a, a an extensive conversation with my client that goes far beyond the facts so for example um I, oftentimes i will ask um so tell me how you met And uh, what was it that attracted you to this person? And tell me about the early years of your marriage. And tell me, tell me about conflict in your relationship. How did it, how did it come up? Why did it come up? How were you able to resolve it? If you weren't able to resolve it, what kinds of things did you try? What worked? What didn't work? If you could have your ideal relationship, what would that look like? Um, at the end of your divorce, um, what do you want your world to look like? You know, during your divorce, what, what kind of a divorce do you want to have? And so I really try and, and do whatever I can to understand my client as a person and also to understand their partner as a person. Because the more that I can understand the person, quote unquote, on the other side, the better I can try and relate to that person or connect to that person and actually this is going to sound odd, but actually give that other person a voice. Mm. Because oftentimes that's just what people need. They just need a voice to be heard. Somebody to acknowledge their perceptions, their perspectives, and their feelings. And it's so odd to have a lawyer on the other side of the table do that with somebody who's not their client. But I'll I'll tell you, time and time again, making that connection with the other partner, uh, the other spouse, helps to resolve the issues. It certainly does, but I suppose it can be a a bit more difficult if you're in the situation where your client is the person finger-pointing and laying blame at the partner's door. And so you're obviously getting a biased opinion of that person, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. And um, another thing I've come to learn is that the truth always seems to lay somewhere in the middle between two sides or two perspectives. Um, And and one of the things I I coach my clients on is um, communication, how to communicate better with their spouse during a divorce and after a divorce. And one of the things I I talk about is trying to remove the judgments. 
instead of instead of laying out conclusions like you did this or you did that or you never do this or you always do that just leave that out and lean in a little bit more and try and have more of a what i call a, a learning conversation you know say something like <clears throat> help me understand better what you're feeling when this happens that kind of a sincere reach out to the other person to ask for their perspective can do wonders in helping to resolve conflict. So I, I try and get my clients to remove their judgments. Excellent. Love it. I'm already, I'm already loving this particular loyal listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Really, really, as I say, it's so lovely to hear you know, that sort of type of perspective and angle on how to manage, a, you know, very, what can be obviously one of the biggest upheavals in anybody's life is a breakup in relationships, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Some people say it's a divorce is the second most stressful life event anybody will experience right below the death of a loved one. Mm, yeah. And what, what do you think is typically the thing in your experience Um that is the thing that causes relationships to break down. I mean, you must have had a lot, quite a common thread, I would think, as to what the common theme is from your own personal experience within your own practice. Oh my gosh, Lynn, it really runs the gamut. Uh, <laughs> as, as humans, we are, all, we are all unique. There's nobody just like us anywhere in the world. And so the problems are varied. But I would say if there was a common theme I would say probably some of the typical things like uh, financial disagreements. I would say things like um, um, different perspectives on what a marital relationship should be, what it should be like, what the roles of each person is or are. And <clears throat> one, one um, foundational elements I have come to realize regarding successful relationships, and, and this has played out in my own personal relationships, is I think that two people coming together need to be able to accept the other person 100% as they are, that they're a beautiful person, they were created uh, as, a beautiful, as a beautiful creature, because if you take the opposite approach and say, well, I, I, really, I really like this person or I really love this person, but I wish that I could change A, B, and C. If you get into a relationship that way, from my, my perspective and my experience, uh, the chances of that person changing to meet your ideal criteria of what a partner should be are, are probably slim to none. Yeah, um, this is what I coach as well. You know, I, I'm, I'm often telling mostly it's women that I tend to work with because that's who I mainly attract into my practice. But, um, you know, I say the weight of a woman's expectations on a man's shoulders, <laughs> they can feel that. <laughs> yes, yes. Energetically, whether you say anything or not. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, and uh, that can obviously cause distance and, um, you know, people to disconnect and withdraw. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I really think that if if people took the opposite approach, rather than withdrawing, rather than, than moving away, if they would lean into the situation, go towards it rather than going away from it, and learning more about their partner, um, I, I think that it would do a lot more to resolve conflict and lessen conflict than if they if they just withdraw or you know flip the switch off, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I suppose being absolutely quiet is as bad as it getting volatile in some ways, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Silence speaks volumes many times. <laughs> <laughs> Although sometimes it can be a good thing because then the person that's probably the angry person and the person then receiving that who stays silent can sometimes hear themselves in that silence if there's no retaliation. So I think, you know, sometimes it can be a good thing. <laughs> yes, yes. There, there are definitely circumstances when silence is appropriate. And that that goes to the, the power of silence and knowing when to use silence and not to use silence. Um, one of the things that, that they say about lawyers is we love to talk. We love to hear ourselves speak. And oftentimes I'm I'm the more of the listener. And so it's for some of my clients, it's a little unusual. Uh, for example, after a negotiation session, they might say to me, you didn't say very much. And I said, no, it really wasn't necessary, but I did a lot of listening. Would you like to hear what I've heard? Yeah. And sometimes it's a shock, isn't it? What you can relay back to people. Yes. Yes. Um, oftentimes they are so overwhelmed with the stress of the situation and all of the emotions that are flooding into their, their consciousness and their physiology that they, they miss some really important things that are communicated. So it's, it's helpful that I'm there and, and I'm, I'm really, really, truly listening so I can, I can enlighten them afterwards. Yeah, a common theme I hear amongst uh, some of my clients is the the shoulding, which you mentioned earlier on, you know, they're either shoulding at the other person saying they should do this, they should do that, or they're shoulding mm. all over themselves, as I call it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't should all over yourself or other people. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do understand what you're saying, because uh, I feel like, you know, that that is a skill in itself, being a great listener. And as a coach, if you're doing your job right, you should be doing a lot more listening to, to talking. Oh, I believe in that a hundred percent, and I, I wish that um, that that our young people were maybe educated a little bit more effectively on um, the listening aspect of communication, how to do it better, how to do it effectively, how your your sincere listening and attention that you're giving to somebody else can actually help that other person um, behave better with you especially if you're in conflict absolutely because i think sometimes we get so immersed in what we want to say that we're not really listening to any response we're just waiting to jump in with our next opinion aren't we absolutely that i would say that's probably the most common problem in listening and communication is thinking about our next response when we really should be thinking about what are they saying? What's important about what they're saying? And when it's my turn to talk, I'm actually going to summarize what I heard them say in my own words. I That's very that. powerful. Very yeah. powerful. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do agree with um, 
you know, educating people about uh, summarizing your understanding of what a person has just said, especially if it felt triggering for you. Yes, yes. So, so often people in conflict, when they're going back and forth like a tennis match, neither one of them feels heard by the other because nobody actually reflects back to the other person what they thought they just heard. And so it's, it's so powerful when people want to be heard. They want to be acknowledged to actually say something like, um, you know, Sue, thank you for sharing that with me. What I heard you say was, did I get that right? And oftentimes their reaction is, you really heard me. Thank you. Yeah, and it's so appreciated. And um, I think, you know, especially from women, I hear a lot that they don't feel heard. Um, so, you know, I think because we, what the, 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 I suppose, generally speaking, the sex that speaks seven times more than the men. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You know, there's differences between the sexes for a reason. Otherwise, where they all be asexual people, wouldn't be reproducing ourselves. So, you know, it's, understand, it's, it's understanding the differences between how men and women think and feel and behave as well that, that I think has been important in my work is helping women understand that men aren't women. They're not hairy women. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I I always say celebrate the differences because if, if the world was filled with people who were all the same, it would be a very boring place. It certainly would. So what would your tips be for somebody that's probably listening to this now and probably not got to the stage where they're um, actually physically divorced yet, but, you know, have had their moments in, in the relationship where, because I think it's quite common uh, if, if, if everybody's really honest to, to actually be thinking probably a few years beforehand around whether to separate or divorce before actually words around that subject actually get spoken. Mm, yes. Yes. So what would I, what would I say? <clears throat> I would say, Take some time to think about the priorities in your life. What's most important to you? And what do you want out of your life? uh, Personally, professionally, relationship-wise. And if your current relationship is not um, matching up uh, or not in alignment with what it is you're interested in, then what do, you, what, what do you have within your control to try and change it and make it better? And so, for example, if a husband and wife or husband, husband, wife, wife, whatever the, whatever the circumstances are, if they're struggling regarding finances, <clears throat> instead of continuing to do the same, what I'll call conflict dance, where they go back and forth with accusations and judgments, I would say approach your spouse uh, with with the following. <clears throat> Invite them to sit down and have a conversation with you in a safe place, whatever that safe place might be. And, and, and when I say invitation, I really do mean invitation. So it might sound something like this. Um, Lisa, I, I, um, I'm perceiving that we have had some conflict regarding our finances. And it, it seems like my, my uh, perception of finances or my perspective on finances is different from yours. And it seems like it's taken us some time to realize this. And I, I'd like to talk with you about it and hear more about your perspective on finances. And so I'd like to invite you to sit down with me and have a conversation. Is now a good time? 
that gives them that that what that does for somebody is it doesn't put them in a corner where they feel like they have to defend themselves. They're actually given a choice and they can say, yeah, you know what? I've been feeling that way as well. Let's 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 talk about that. Just not now. Now is not a good time. Okay, so when when could we sit down and talk? So it's much more of a um, cooperative, collaborative type of conflict resolution rather than the the typical. Mm. So that's what that's what that might look like. I love that you get examples around that. So thank you for sharing that and giving a typical example because I think you know a lot of the audience will be able to resonate with examples of how conversations might go rather than just the information. So thank you for that and uh, for oh, being a great yes. teacher. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. I love examples and I love to help make the world a better place. Um, I'll just continue a little bit with, with the next part after somebody agrees to sit down and, and have a conversation with you. And instead of doing what most people do with launching into their perspective, what, what they see, what they feel, you actually ask the other person for their perspective first. Because what that does is it, 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 again, kind of alleviates this tension, this, this conflict tension that the other person is feeling. Maybe they're feeling accused. Maybe they're feeling a little bit uh, cornered. Uh, maybe they're feeling some shame. And so by giving them an opportunity to, um, to share their perspective first, it lets them get a lot off their chest, a lot out of their mind, and it communicates to them what you have to say is more important than what I have to say at this very moment, because I want to learn more about your thoughts, your feelings, so that I can respond appropriately. And that I'll tell you, just doing those two things, inviting them to a conversation, and then asking them to share their perspective first will do wonders. Totally 100% agree. And um, I do think it makes each party them feel very valued and heard and and special, you know, and, and probably um, creates a bit more connection that you've probably not felt in a long time between you. Absolutely. And, and I think that we were talking earlier about the differences between men and women. And what I've, I've come to learn through my own relationships is that um, women, not all, but many, um, feel a connection when a man simply gives them his time yes, and sits down and listens and sincerely wants to hear what she has to say. And I don't think enough men do it. And I think if they did, if they just made the time to do it, the connection between the, the, the two people would be stronger. Absolutely. Yeah. That's been my experience personally and professionally. Absolutely. Because, um, one of the biggest complaints I hear is, is women not feeling as though they're being heard. Yes. And um, what the way you just explained in a very simple, easy to understand way around how you can invite somebody to have that type of com deep conversation uh, flips all that on its head, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Absolutely. So a little bit more about what, what is it that sort of, um, did you have any sort of personal um, experiences growing up that sort of led you down this path in particular around um, what you do for your passion and for a living at the moment? Or did you just naturally fall into it? 
<laughs> I love that question. So I think that that all of my life experiences and, and my environment growing up definitely helped lead me to where I am today. And and here's a funny story. So um, in the, the early to mid 70s, uh, my mom had gone to law school and she was a practicing lawyer uh, in California. And she did different areas of law, but one of the ones she did was divorce law. And growing up, uh, I used to hear her complain about her divorce clients. They never pay their bills. They're always upset. They're never happy. Uh, she would get phone calls on the weekends like, my husband's throwing all of my clothes out the front door. What do I do? <laughs> and so, and so <clears throat> when I was getting ready to go to law school, I thought, okay, I don't know what type of law I want to practice, but I know what I don't want to practice. And I don't want to practice divorce law or family law. And funny thing, after three years full-time going through law school, I, I worked in the, the family law clinic at my school where I helped uh, people from a, a lower socioeconomic um, status get divorced, and uh, I helped them resolve some other family law issues. I came to realize, wow, there, there are some things about me that, that really kind of uniquely suit me for this. And so uh, when my wife and I graduated from law school, we went on for another degree, uh, which is an LLM. It's called a Master of Laws in Dispute Resolution. We came back to Florida, took the Florida bar exam and passed. And we, we kind of looked at each other in the bedroom and said, okay, so now what do we do? And so we decided, okay, well, let's open up our own law practice. And then the next question was, well, what do we know how to do? He said, well, we've, ha we've helped people in family law situations. Let's do that. And so we started our practice together um, many years ago. And um, I, I kept hearing over and over again from my clients, thank you so much. After talking with you, I feel so much better. Or um, my, my world, my life was so dark when I knocked on your door. And now it's like you kicked open a door and all I see is light. And that kind of feedback to me told me I'm in the right place. I need wow. to keep doing this. Yeah. yeah, it was very powerful, very powerful. Yeah. And so deserved, obviously, you're, you're attracting what, what energy you're, you're giving out yourself. So well done you and, and your beloved other half. So on that note, AJ, I'd just like to invite you to share what is your best contact information for any of our audience that would like to get in touch with you. Thank you, Lynn. Uh, the best contact information would be my website. So that's www.leapfrogdivorce.com. Thank you, AJ. This has been a fascinating conversation. I've really loved talking to you around your different and refreshing approach to conflict resolution and divorce. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lynn. What a wonderful way to start the morning. Thank you. <laughs> And on that note, listeners, I'll just leave you with True Love Starts with opening our hearts. And until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts dashentwined.com Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.